Can I have a seat? And uh, how are we doing? All right, we got the niceties out. We're done. No. No, I'm sorry that it's um, so gloomy and chilly out there. It's my fault. Um, I'm one of those that I don't have a lot of space. <clears throat> my wife doesn't let me have very much space. Um, so I have to change over my clothes for summer to winter. And I did that, and here we go. All right? So I got one long sleeve uh, left, and we're going to have to wear this till it gets warm again. All right? So sorry about that. My fault. Um, so we are in this letter in, in, in that Paul wrote to Timothy, and he's going to use sort of a uh, um, just analysis metaphor that, that kind of lines up with our, our purpose. We often forget that we have this purpose. It isn't just to kind of get up and go to our job and raise our family. And those are really important things. But you have uh, those in Christ have a much bigger purpose. And he uses the metaphor of vessel, right, to, to be a vessel or a, or a container of something. Okay. So I got thinking about uh, two different kinds of vessels uh, that I have. Uh, one is very, very important to me, um, and it's something I've kept. It's a little, getting a little old, all right? I know, it's just a silver bowl. Uh, the occasion in which I got it, let me show you a picture, a much younger-looking Jamie and a much younger-looking Pop next to him, uh, my dad. And, and, and this uh, was my college graduation where I was actually the valedictorian. And I know. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. And the reason this is so important to me is because when I opened up my diploma, it had a note that said you owe us $250. So this was about all I got for it. That was my college experience. But no, I, and, and in fact, I, the reason it's so important to me, and I show you this picture of my dad, isn't because of that award. It's because of how I thought of it and thought of myself. Like I was like, you know what, it was a small school, not a very competitive school. Uh, I had what my friends always lovingly said was one of the easiest majors, communications, right? And I remember saying to my dad, like, ah, it's, he's like, congratulations, it's easy. it's easy, it was an easy major. And my dad said something to me that I've said to many over the years, I've never forgotten it, right? He said that, Jamie, everything is easy if you're good at it. And I've said that to people because, and I say that especially to our young people, our students, because you can get pigeonholed and where if you're not really good at grades or really good at sports or really good at, like, you're like, oh, and that's how I felt myself. I was like, I'm just kind of either terrible or, like, above average at best. And that's fine. I was good with it. And it was, it was at this time for the first time that I realized that God did wire me in ways that maybe as a student didn't come out, but he will use for excellence. And so that's what this reminds me of, what my dad said. And then that's the case. So it's very important. So I set this aside as a vessel that's important, right? It has great value and meaning. And I brought another vessel. Um, this is what we feed our cats in at home. <laughs> and so it has meaning, all right? But uh, if we were to drop this and it were to shatter and break, um, the only thing that would bother us is the annoyance of having to clean it up or cut ourselves, or go to Walmart and buy some replacements, right? And that's it. And, and so the, the, the vessels that Paul is going to compare us to are vessels that are in Christ are for set aside or holy for honorable use, not for dishonorable use, even though my cats would argue, I would say, dishonorable, right? So that's what we're going to talk about. You have purpose in Christ. You have legit purpose that often day to day we forget. So we'll talk about that, but first let's, let's pray. Lord, I, I thank you that 
you um, have gifted everyone in this room, everyone who's watching this online, everyone, you've gifted us with gifts and abilities and experiences and, Lord, all for your glory. And we forget, I forget, we all forget. We think too often, Lord, about our struggles and our mess-ups and where we fail. But, Lord, you have us and you use us. And I pray we would leave here today remembering that we have real purpose, that you, O oh Jesus, created in us. And it's in his glorious, precious Savior's name we do pray. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Um, so, we're going line by line. So, last week we left off in chapter 2. So, if you want to open or turn on your Bibles, uh, it's verse 20 in chapter 2 of 2 Timothy. We will put it on the screen. So, but if you're like me and sometimes you have trouble reading that and you want to follow along, always, always good to do so. If you do not own a Bible or you know someone who doesn't, neighbor, friend, somebody, feel free to take one of those hardbound black ones uh, Bibles in front of you and uh, give that away or keep it and uh, we'll, we'll replace it. All right? I don't often, well, sometimes I remember to say that, but sometimes I forget. So this passage we're going to look at, it really comes down to uh, who we are and what our purpose is and what the effect of that purpose is. And you're going to kind of see that play out as, as, as Paul writes this. But but if, if you were with us last week, and it's okay if you weren't, but he, he kind of goes, because Paul, remember, he's in prison, he's in chains, he's, this is a, kind of a farewell, right? He's about to die. It's a pretty sober letter. A lot of it's very personal. But in this chapter, he kind of reverts back to what he talked about in the first letter of Timothy, which is about what's happening in Ephesus. That's where Timothy is, trying to correct this church and a lot of this false teaching and these teachers, and, and it's annoying and it's frustrating and it's hard, and, right? And so, so he, he's giving Timothy counsel. And, and, and last week, we boiled it down to, Timothy, you are about the word, the truth. And we said, man reading and knowing our Bibles, we can never cut that corner. Man, you can see ladies, I mean, I'm jealous. you got all kinds of opportunities right out there in the foyer you can sign up for. Memorizing Scripture, reading Scripture with others. Guys, we got to, well, I don't know if we have to do it formally, but grab somebody and let's go this summer, right? The people of the book. And so it's the same chapter, that sort of same idea, talking about what Timothy's going through. But he, he gives them this analogy that I just explained a couple of minutes ago. He says, imagine now in a great house. So together we are a great house. There are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. So for a house, the master Jesus. There are some that are carrying dishonor. But those in Christ are, should be sort of like the gold and the silver set aside. You, if you have a house, you probably have some semblance of this, right? You got your fine china that you only bring out for the special people, right? Nobody ever brings that out for me, I'll tell you that, right? It's usually the paper plates for Jamie, and I understand, I understand, right? But, but you got the stuff to use every day. If it breaks, if you replace it. It's really nothing you think about. But then there's like grandma's china, or there's something that you only hand wash, and, right? And, and, and it's set aside. It's, it's immensely valuable to you for lots of reasons, right? And that's what he's saying. I would even go in a, a, a step further. In their culture with vessels, um, see, they didn't have toilets, just saying. They had vessels that they used and carried what our toilet sends away, right? So be happy you live in today's day, at least for some purposes, right? And, and they had really dishonorable vessels that served a purpose, but not one you wanted to talk about. And he's just like, which one are you? 
And if you're in Christ, you're one of those gold and silver because Christ made you that way. He says, therefore, therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy. That's really what holy means, right? Set apart for God. Set apart pure for God. Useful to the master of the house, that's Jesus, ready for every good work. Right? So, the first step to being a vessel, it's one we go over and over and over again, but you need to remember this. You aren't just going to get up and start doing stuff and bearing the name of Christ. You need to be cleansed. That's what we just celebrated. That you can only be cleansed by humbly repenting of sin and trusting in the Savior Jesus who died in your place. And then he gives you his spirit, and, and sometimes far more slowly than we want, we become more and more like him. We're being cleansed. And so he's, that's the first step. That if you've never, just like you've been sitting on the fence for Christ, that's always the first step to being a vessel for, for the master. Because you've got to trust in him. You've got to put your faith in him. And if you have, right, that, that now that you, we're, we're a vessel for honorable use. We're set apart. We're the fine china. Do you feel like fine china? Probably not. But you are. And the lie of the enemy says, no, 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 no. You still identify with your sin. You still identify with your garbage, with your failures. And you say, no, I identify with Jesus who died for me, has a purpose for me. And now you can begin to be a vessel. For what? For good works. Right? We now, we aren't doing them. We're carrying the good works of Christ everywhere we go. Right? In, in community and by ourselves and in our families and in our neighborhoods, we're a vessel. So then, Paul, how? Because Timothy's in Ephesus. He's dealing with these false teachers. He's dealing with all this junk. How do you do that? How do you be that vessel in a situation like that? It's one thing that everybody's liking everybody and everything is good, but that's not how the world works. Most of the time, you want to just start throwing fists out there. So how do you bear a vessel, be a vessel for his name? And so he says, and this is, my, I think, my favorite sentence of this small passage, short passage. He says, and the reason I like it is because he takes two verbs, and you'll see them, and they're the opposite. So flee, there's the first, run away from youthful passions, and then pursue. It's the opposite, right? There's running away, and then there's strategically running towards. That word pursue actually means to hunt. And it can even be bad, like uh, Paul used it for himself before he was a Christian. I, I, I pursued or I persecuted Christians. It's hunting them down. This is not a bad, uh, you know, this is, he doesn't mean this one that kind of negatively, but, he, but he's saying it's with a real focus you are pursuing. So you're both fleeing and you're pursuing. So what are you hunting? Righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. So think about it. You, both of those words are intentional. How many times am I going to tell you? You are not, if you just wake up and just sort of drift, Wherever the world takes me. You don't drift to righteousness, faith, agape, love, peace. It's just not going to happen. Where do you drift? Youthful passions. And what are those? Well, often we think of, you know, youthful passion. You might think of lust or sexual sin or something like that. I don't think, that can be, but I don't think that's what he means here. He's talking about the, the, the ways that young people, all of us when we were younger, 
tended to be more like. Now, that's generalization, so don't get offended. But you think about it. Young people tend to be more hot-headed, brash, a little bit more, I got all the answers. Because why? Life knocks you down so much, you're like, I got no answer. It takes time for that. I, I'm a great example of that. When I was probably about 22, first job out of college, I worked as an admissions counselor for the Massachusetts College of Pharmacy in Boston. Um, I made enough money to drive into Boston and park. That was about it, but good job. And, and I had almost every admission counselor is like that age. Barely anyone's married and certainly not, almost nobody has kids. Right? But there was an older woman named Lovey in my office. I saw her as old, and I think she's about my age now. <sighs> I told you I was dumb, right? Uh, and, and, and so she had, um, we got along okay, but she had a uh, different arrangement with, you know, the bosses and stuff because she had family home, she had kids, she had an elderly mother she was caring for. And so she um, would come in a little bit later, but stay later. She had those arrangements. But we would, behind her back, kind of snicker at her, oh, love you, she's finally getting in, it's 9 a.m., you know. And one day, I thought I was so cool. We were in the conference room. In front of other people, I said some snide, sarcastic remark. They got a few laughs, a few chuckles about her and her situation. And she just flew out of the conference room. I said, uh-oh, I'm in trouble. A little bit later, she came into my office. and She let me have it. I mean, she just said, you know, probably some colorful language. I don't exactly remember. I just remember, whoa. She was like, there's going to be a day where you have kids, when maybe you have an elderly parent, or you, like, you don't understand what life's really about. And I kind of half apologized, half said, yeah, I do. Now, we, we, we're still in contact, mainly through social media, and every once in a while we've talked, and I've thanked her. We laugh about it. And I was like, lovey man, you were so right. I was such a moron. I was so dumb. Not because, um, you know, just because I was a moron, but because I was young. I just didn't get it. And that's every one of us. And here's the thing. He's saying, you got to run from that which you would normally drift towards. When someone comes against you and something is not right, the first youthful passion is, I'm right, I'm going to fight back, and I'm going to shake my fist, and I'm going to, ready says, no, no, no. you gotta, you got to purposefully flee from that. You're not going to just, like, think about in the Old Testament when, um, uh, somebody like Lot, right? He's living in this sinful place. Imagine that's the, 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 the youthful passions. And he just stays there and stays there until finally he has to run and he doesn't look back, but his wife did. That's what you got to do. Joseph in the Old Testament with Potiphar's wife, enticing him and enticing him. And finally he's like, I can't stay here. And he just runs. He flees. That's the word. With intentionality. Whatever causes me to have those youthful passions, I have to strategically run. Have you ever fleed from anything? I have. I've fleed from a lot of things. I remember one time I was a freshman in high school, and my parents had gone to bed. Nothing good ever happens then. I was up. The phone rang, and it wasn't my personal phone, boys and girls. We didn't have those then, all the way in the ancient times. We had a phone that was still connected to the wall, and um, it, it, it rang. And, and it was a couple of upperclassmen who I desperately wanted to impress, right? And they, one of them was interested in a girl that lived on my street. Her name was Erin, and uh, they knew that I knew Erin. Erin and I grew up together. We were the same age, and so we were best friends, um, you know, especially growing up. So I knew all about the yards. I knew where uh, they specifically were wanted to know where her bedroom window was. 
Don't ask. Um, and so I said, absolutely not. I'm going to be a pastor someday. Are you kidding me? No. I said, yeah, come on over. I'll show you. All right? And so we sneak, and I sneak into the backyard. She had this, like, above-ground pool. Remember that? And I'm like, yeah, that's her, her bedroom window. And so they begin, they begin to throw rocks. And then I heard a booming voice. And it wasn't Aaron's voice. It was Ronnie, her dad. What are you kids doing in my pool? Like, we're not doing anything to her pool. Apparently, his pool was more important than his daughter. I don't know. No. He knew that we didn't know that his daughter was away at camp. So he didn't have to worry about that. Um, he just thought we were out there messing with his pool. He's like, I'm calling the police. So there's that word. I began to realize, all right, I got to find a way to get out of here. I cannot get caught. I didn't care about the boys anymore that were with me. They didn't understand the neighborhood, and they just went running down the road. I'm like, you're going to get caught immediately. That's where they're going to come. I went left towards the cemetery. Scary, but still smart, all right? And I go, and I get below, you know, those nice stone gates, you know, and I'm right in the shadows like this. And sure enough, a cop car comes flying into the cemetery, goes flying around, and I'm in the shadows. I'm like, all right. And then I see the other cop car's got the other <laughs> poor boys stopped. And I'm like, all right, now i got to make a run for it. And I run not down my road, but down the other parallel road around the block. Went through the backyard of the one abutting, abetting my, my parents' backyard and in the house. And I was safe. I'm still proud of that. Any students here, don't go home and say, my pastor taught me to flee from the police. <laughs> it's not my point, all right? My point is, it isn't just running. It is running with a purpose. Get away from those things it entices us to youthful passion, to pride, to arrogance, to hot-headedness, to temper, whatever it might be, you aren't going to drift away. You have to say, I'm running. And you don't just flee from, but you also hunt for something. Now, that's incredibly important. Last week, our, our, our teens were playing manhunt. It's like hide-and-seek, except you hide, and if you get found, you become one of the seekers, Right? And so it's interesting to watch some of our students. It's like they're fleeing and they're hiding, but then when they get caught, they're now hunting. And so you do both. You flee youthful passions and then you pursue. You hunt something that will not come naturally unless you're intentional about it. Things like righteousness. That's the things that Christ would say are right and good. Things like faith. That's a gift from God. That is, that is to hunt out what? that I, no matter what's going on in my life, I will trust God. I will believe his promises. I will, <clears throat> I will cling to him. That's uh, uh, things like agape. You see the word, English word love. It's a Greek word agape. It's not the, oh, I love you because you're so nice and kind and pretty. I love you even though you drive me insane and I'd rather just never see you again. I will agape you. You think you're just going to do that on your own strength? It's, it's as you are pursuing Christ, he begins to do these things. You become a vessel for his glory. Peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. So it's done in community. It's done together because there's days where you're not ready, others will help. And there's days they're not ready, and you will help. That's why we're together in this, because we are vessels for the master. But, man, to press on, we need each other's help. And so um, keep that imagery to be... Um, vessel is to flee and pursue. And now, he, he gets back to, if you were with us last weekend, the false teachers. Now, how are you going to do that in Timothy's situation? He says, have nothing to do 
with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know they breed quarrels, right? And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome. Must not be quarrelsome. Not be quarrelsome. But kind to everyone. Able to teach. Patiently enduring evil. Can't you? You get up in the morning and go, God, I can't wait to endure evil today, baby. Woo! Pumped up. Right? No, like it's not something that's going to be natural. You have to pursue it. You have to find ways to pursue Christ and the humility that it takes to fall before him. And the more you pursue his word, the more you pursue prayer and worship, the more you, you pursue his goodness and, and, and hunt that kind of righteousness, right? Now, even when evil comes at you, and it was coming at Timothy, you can endure it patiently. You can still show kindness to everyone. Whew. And you can do that because you are the Lord's servant, and he did that to you first. We are not quarrelsome. Now, he also says we're able to teach. The next line he's going to say, correction. So this isn't just, oh, I'm kind to you. I know you completely disagree with what is true. That's fine. We, what he's saying is, don't get wrapped up in all of those arguments and all of that. Just correct with truth. You stay with truth and you'll be okay. It's kind of like, imagine a little boy and he gets with his friends. And they decide to do something they know their parents would never let them do. And they climb this really high tree. And they're having fun, but the little boy falls and he breaks his leg. And he's laying there in a lot of pain. And his, his friends are like, oh, no, we're going to get in so much trouble. They're, of course, thinking of their friend first, right? And, and they're like, what do we do? And they start devising this story that sounds really good. They're like, you don't need to go to a doctor. What you need is to find the right kind of mud. We'll spit in it and we'll rub it on your leg. And then we got to find a stream and we'll wash it off and you will be healed. And the little boy's like, that sounds awesome. I don't want to be in pain anymore. I don't want to tell my parents, and I definitely don't want to go see a doctor. That all is horrible. Let's do your thing. And then, so they're th- talking about doing it, and then some adult comes along and goes, what, are you crazy? Brings the kid to the hospital where there's a doctor. Kid's screaming the whole way, I need mud. I've got to have a, a stream to wash in, right? Gets into the doctor's office, and the doctor's there with this boy who's shaking his fist at a doctor. I don't want you. I want... And now, what Paul would say to that doctor is don't spend two hours arguing with this kid about mud and about streams and about all that stuff. Instead, gently, kindly come alongside and say, I'm a doctor. Here's what you need. Your leg is broken. We're going to get you some healing. And he says, that's truth, not getting swept away with all of the nonsense. And that's all he's saying is you don't avoid them or cast them out you bear their reproach, you show kindness and gentleness, and you still correct them in truth. Which some people, as we'll see, God will use. Others, they're going to get really angry. And you just have to endure it. Because we're about to see why. First, he continues this sort of the way our demeanor is supposed to be. Correcting his opponents, right? So we do correct truth, but we do it with gentleness. Gentleness. Right? That's something that we always have. If you're a Christian and if you're saying, if you're not, we don't have those expectations. But if you are, we have those expectations. Even when we disagree, we fully expect it to be done with kindness and gentleness. Like that's how it needs to be done. And that's what he's saying. 
He says, God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, because you're a vessel, and you're willing to correct, and you're willing to love and be kind and be gentle, but still give them truth. God will use them. You aren't going to bring them to repentance. God does that, but he uses you, the honorable vessel, because of the, to a knowledge of truth. And they may come to their senses. That is a, a phrase that means to sober up. <laughs> like, you know, if you've ever uh, been under the influence and then you're not. That's come to your senses. And escape from the snare or the trap of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. Hmm. It's almost like there's someone behind this, not just the person or the group that you're so angry at. We're angry at the wrong person. We should be angry at God's enemy who's trapping people in lies that sound good and look good all the time. Do we want to see them free or not? Or do we just want to meme them to death on Facebook? That's the question. And the answer is, we want to be vessels. We want to do what it takes to be that vessel. And he gives that demeanor, right? Gentleness, kindness, but truth. Does that sound like any Sunday school answer will do? Jesus? Yes. Sounds just like Jesus because he's our master. You know, there was times where he was very forceful. It was almost always with the teachers of the day. But those who were caught in a lot of those lies, he never wavered from truth, but he was so kind and gentle in doing it. Think of the woman, the Samaritan woman at the well in John chapter 4. Very famous story. Maybe you've read it, probably, right? And if you haven't, basically, it's this woman who was in deep shame, and she went to a well in the middle of the day when she knew no one would be there, and there is this guy. Jewish guy, Jewish rabbi, someone who's just going to judge her and cast stones at her. And instead, he asks her for a cup of water, which in their culture meant friendship, which is weird to us. But you didn't speak to a woman. You certainly didn't speak to a Samaritan woman and certainly didn't speak to a sinful Samaritan woman. And he said, can I have a drink of water? And there goes an, a debate, a discussion, back and forth. Who's God's people? Where do we worship? All of that, right? In the whole way he's doing it, Jesus never, ever wavers from truth. There's even one time he's like, hey, go get your husband. And she tries to stop that up, right? And, oh, I, don't, I don't have a husband. He's like, I know, you've had five. And the man you're living with is not your husband. Truth. Hard sometimes to hear. But he did it kindly and gently. Both. And so that's all Paul's telling Timothy. We're vessels for his name. Bearing reproach, showing gentleness and kindness, but never, ever, ever wavering from truth. Why? Because some, there might even be someone here right now, are in that trap, that snare. Man, the enemy. He gets us all caught up in life, and he gets our minds so warped. Not on necessarily on some substance sometimes, but, but just warped and believing it. And, and yet the truth that someone so gently and kindly gives us frees us. And we come to our senses. And we repent, which means to turn from, to turn from, to change our mind. Do you ever think about your ministry, your, what you're doing as a vessel for God, as freeing people from traps of the devil? I, I don't often think of it like that. But it's really cool to think of it like that. It's that important. So before we go, how do we apply this? Because that's a lot. And it's always my, my struggle because, you know, you, 
we got people all over the map here. People have been Christians for a long time, some still considering. We have people different ages, different, uh, all kinds of stuff, right? And so <laughs> I believe there's a million and one ways you can apply this. But what I really, really, really hope is that you do. Don't just think about how this should apply to the person next to you, right? Giving them the nudge, you need to listen to this. Don't just apply this to, 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 to general people, you. What is God calling you to do? And I said earlier, and I'll say again, maybe for you is you need to be cleansed by Jesus. You need to repent. You need to turn from, come to your senses that you can no longer run your life. It is Christ and Christ alone. And maybe that's you today. Nothing better that you can do right now than to just give your life, your faith to Jesus. He died for you. He's coming again. Many of us have done that. So who are we? That's the question. There's three. Who are we? Right? Who are we? How will God use us? And how do we go about that? What what is the job for us in doing that? Well, who are we is first. We are honorable vessels for God to use. That's hard to believe every day. I know. But you are. You are. He's cleansed you. You are holy if you're in Christ. You're set apart. He's gifted you. He's given you abilities. He's given you his spirit to be a vessel for his name. You need to believe that. Otherwise, you're sunk already. Believe the lies of the enemy. Not me, but you are. How do you do that? There's so many ways to apply that. It's not, this isn't just Jamie's the vessel up here speaking and the rest of you are just kind of rooting me on. We're all collectively in, in different ways. We, 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 are, we are vessels, honorable, holy, set apart. And so the, what has God set you apart to do? That's the question. What excuses are you making to not do what God's called you to do? And you know me. I, guilt doesn't work. So I'm not guilt tripping you. I'm just saying, if you're in Christ and you're running from him, I'm just trying to save you a lot of time because he's going to chase you down. It will crash and burn. So today's a beautiful day to just say, I'm done. I'm just done. Done with the excuses. I'm done with the why I can't. And I'm just going to step into what he has called me to do. What are you good at? Do it for the glory of Christ. Right? You good with kids? Boy, we sure could use your help. Good with teenagers? We could definitely use your help. Leading a group, feeding the homeless, cooking a meal for someone, praying for someone, financial, technology. I don't know. All the, it doesn't all seem like it, right? But it is. I know we often think, well, I want to, um, I even brought my bat. I want to hit a home run, right? We always want to hit the home run. You know, you want to be like, you're at work, and someone's like, man, I'm having a hard day. Tell me about Jesus. And you're like, tell them the gospel. They pray a sinner's prayer. Boom! Home run, right? How often does that happen? <laughs> if ever, it does, but it's like always somebody else, right? But I'm not suggesting every, being a vessel means that you will just get on base sometimes, right? You'll have a bunt single. Right? Maybe you're just changing diapers. You're like, I don't know how this is being a vessel at all. But somebody's parents are hearing the gospel, and the Lord freed them from a trap because you were willing to step forward. Maybe you're praying for your neighbor. You don't really know how that's working. That's, that's a, a solid double down the line. Right? That, that, that whatever uh, God has called you to do, whether it's a formal program within church ministry or it's just in your life, that God's calling you to be a vessel to pray for someone, to be kind, even though you'd rather give them one of these, to instead 
do what Jesus did for you. That's who we are, right? That we are vessels for God to use. How is God using you is the question. Not to play baseball. Or maybe it is. They'll find a way. Um, so just real quick, though, and this is just a reminder, how will God use us? And he'll help people escape a satanic trap. Isn't that so amazing? I said that earlier. You don't think of yourself like that. Neither do I. We should. There's a fight out there. He's prowling around. He's lying. He's enticing. Instead of being angry at those who are caught in the lie, be angry at the one who's behind it. Right? And love people enough to just say, that's a lie. But I hate you for saying that. I know. I'm just still telling you, that's a lie. Let me tell you what truth is. And as you do that, remember, it's God saving, God bringing people to repentance. But he uses us to do it. He doesn't need to do that, but he chooses to. He wants us to be a part of the greatest mission this planet has ever seen. But remember, our job in doing this, patience, gentleness, correction with truth. That's why you got to be people of the book. How are you going to know what's right if you don't know it yourself, right? But we do, churches will screw this up, one on both sides, right? They'll over here, they're like, you're dirty, rotten sinners, and we want nothing to do with you. No, that's, that's not okay. Over here, it's, oh, I love you so much that I can't bear to tell you that what you're doing is wrong, and so it's all okay. Jesus loves you. No, that's just as bad as the other one, maybe worse. Instead, Paul says, correction, bearing with, in gentleness, kindness, love, intentionality, wherever God has planted us. That's going to take pursuit. It's going to take running at times. It's going to take a lot of humility, a lot of confession, and a lot of God help me because we don't naturally flow or drift towards righteousness. But that's our purpose. So I want you to do something. I'm going to, you can close your eyes or get focused or whatever you do because I want to ask you a couple questions as I pray or get set to pray. First is, um, what is God revealing to you? You. Maybe you're just not a Christian and you've got to stop sitting on the fence. Uh, I, don't, I used to, you know, try to come up with creative ways to make it sound better, but I just like to just tell you, you, you need to repent of your sin. And trust Christ died for you. It's never going to go the way you want it to go if you don't. And I know, that makes some people hate me. That's bearing a reproach. I still love you. I still love you. And I'm willing to bear with that because I care about your soul and I know you're trapped by the lies of this world. And you can be free, but only Christ can free you. You can't, I can't, only Jesus. So that's you today. Many of us are freed. So what is God saying to you? How are you bearing his name as a vessel? What is he calling you to do that you've been making excuses or you're scared? <laughs> Maybe passions have gotten in your way, passions of getting upset with the world or passions with life. And, and, and what is God saying to you? And what will you do about it? Father, I pray. I pray for my brothers and sisters who know you, Jesus, but right now we're caught up in the passions, those, those passions of young people. 
arrogance, pride. Lord, I pray, use me as a vessel to bring them to repentance right now. Confess it. Run from it. and Pursue your righteousness. Lord, I pray bring people alongside us to help us to hunt down agape love, to be people who are known as kind and as gentle and as sacrificial and loving, but also, Lord, people of vigorous truth found in your scriptures that we shall never waver from, no matter what comes our way. Lord, help us to find a way to be both of those things just as Jesus was. And may all of the glory go to you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, if you're, uh, we are going to sing together as we always do. If you want to sit, stand, kneel, whatever you do, let's worship together.